You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello and welcome back to Castle Rock Critical. Uh, you're back today with Emma and Lucy as we continue our journey into the King Canon with Gerald's Game, the 2017 adaptation of the 1992 novel of the same name. Lucy, say hi. Hello. Um, before we start on a review of this uh, quite chilling and, let's be honest, pretty fucking gross mm. adaptation, we've got some Stephen King news. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so the trailer for Doctor Sleep dropped recently, today, I think, on recording yeah, day. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and that's due to be rele- released later this year. We've just watched it. Lucy, what did you think? Um, it looks interesting. To be honest, uh, I would say a good 40% of the trailer is just clips from The Shining. So it's actually hard to get a grasp of what the film is going to be like, which is probably a deliberate. Mm. Interested to watch it. I think, well, we've both read the book. Yes. Uh, and both thoroughly enjoyed it. Really like the book. Uh, I, I think Ewan McGregor's a bit of a... I'm not sure about the casting on that. I mean, it could be good. Yeah, I mean, Hugh McGregor is a very gifted actor and he has plays very varied characters, so you mm. can't really typecast him as any one thing. Wouldn't be who I would have thought of as um, the adult Danny, but... I don't know who I would have picked, though. Uh, I would have picked someone younger, I think. In my mind, he's younger. Yeah, but... like in his 20s. Mm, well, I think... How old is he meant to be? I think he's in his late 20s. Really? Well, that's definitely weird casting then. But, but he's know. a good actor and I'm looking forward to see what he does with the role. Yeah, I actually quite like the um, mixing in of the Shining footage. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, and that shot of him looking through the uh, the axed mm. down door was Very quite clever. quite cool. But we'll see what it's like. Yeah, looking forward to watching it. Girl date. Girls night! Yay! Uh, anyway... Uh, off from that little bit and back to what we're actually here for, which, yes, is Gerald's game. Uh, so we're going to go through our usual structure. We'll give our initial thoughts on the book from me, the adaptation uh, and our blueberry scores. Then we will go through the uh, main plot of the film and then we're going to have a little king corner at the end. To talk about all the differences uh, from the book to the adaptation. Spoiler warning, it is quite faithful. OK. Which is interesting. Uh, so, before we get to initial initial thoughts, the IMDb summary of this film uh, goes like this. While trying to spice up their marriage in their remote lake house, Jessie must fight to survive when her husband dies unexpectedly, spoiler warning, leaving her handcuffed to their bed frame. That's creepy as fuck, isn't it? Is her name Jessie? Yeah. Okay. I mean, she doesn't really talk to herself that much. No, it's basically her. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Lucy, seeing as you are f- film only... 
I am a uh, foamly. If you can, foamly, Lucy, uh, <laughs> explain the Blueberry score to anyone who is listening that doesn't know what it is and uh, tell us what you thought of the film overall uh, with your score at the end of it, please. Okay, um, so for those who are unfamiliar with the scoring system, uh, Blueberries is the scale. So you can have zero Blueberries to five Blueberries, zero being worst five being best and you cannot have any halves because you cannot have a blueberry they're Unless, like atoms is it actually scientifically impossible now not just in our scale yes okay there's just no point in halving them uh, so what do you think of this film okay um obviously i haven't read the book uh, i really enjoyed the adaptation though i thought it was a really solid well-crafted very well-acted creepy scary um imaginative film Really enjoyed it. Yeah, had to look away at bits that we'll get onto, I'm sure. I don't really want to talk about uh, it, but we have to. Uh, um, yeah, so I'm going to give it four blueberries. Nice. That's a solid score. Better than we've had for a while for yeah. King oh, Adaptation. God, God, yeah. No, it's good. It's a good Netflix. Um, it is Netflix original, is it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Really good, I thought. Um, actually, I agree with you. I thought it was... So I read the book over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it took me a bit longer than it normally does, um, largely because I had to keep putting it down for some very disturbing... Uh, feelings that it was giving me. Um, I, I thought the book was really good, actually. It's a bit different. It's one of those Stephen King um, stories that is about the horror of humanity, really, with a bit of creepiness put in. Mm. Um, you know, it, it is a story about a woman alone in an empty house. Yeah. And that gets a bit creepy when you also are a woman that lives alone at night in an empty house reading Stephen King novels. Uh, but for that reason, the fact that it did actually freak me out quite a bit, the book gets four blueberries from me. Yeah, I can imagine it's creepy to read. Oh, and then when I watched the film this week, <laughs> I had to stay up and watch something else because I was too scared to go to bed yeah, in the dark. Yeah. It was really Don't creepy. Don't blame me again. Uh, but it is actually quite a faithful adaptation. And I wasn't sure, having read the book, how they would deal with certain elements of the story. I thought that it was done really well. And mm. um, Carla, thingamajoodoo. She is fantastic. She is stellar in this. She like, is she plays it so a well. Beautiful lady and a brilliant actress. Yeah, spot on. And that must be really hard to play considering it is essentially just her. Just her. It's like a one man show, yeah. isn't it? She's really, yeah, she nails it. Um, and for that, I also give the film four blueberries. Solid, well deserved. Solid scores all round. We should stop being so positive. Lucy, we have to do something shit again. No, I'm all right with the good ones. All right, cool. Uh, so just before we get into the review of the film proper, it's time for an advert break. Advert break. I'm innocent, Red. Just like everybody else here. The house is burning. Hi, Georgie. I'm afraid I have a tendency to turn up the heat. Red rock. Hello, it is that time of the podcast where we uh, are hawking our wares, so to speak. Uh, so if you are listening to this, thank you uh, for supporting us. Do follow us on social media and uh, let us know what you think of this podcast and our other content. Uh, we are at Fan Critical Pod on Twitter, Fan underscore Critical on Instagram. And you can also email us, fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com or search for us on Facebook. Uh, we'll be always love a bit of feedback and uh, to know what you think. And what else do we do, you may ask? Well, recently we have just released our new Worst of Netflix, which is a bloody riot. So mm -hmm. John and Gareth uh, do the trawling through the terrible, terrible uh, Netflix films looking for a zero blueberry movie. Uh, they've done some absolute corkers and it's definitely hilarious. And the most recent is Baby Geniuses. Oh, it just 
they shared a, like a thumbnail of one of the images and it just looks horrific. Yeah, I had to share that on social media and it made me feel unwell. <laughs> uh, we have also just released our first uh, review of the uh, new Black Mirror season five, mm-hmm. uh, Striking Vipers, and we've got more on that to come. And coming up soon, some really exciting stuff. So Stranger Things season three is Ooh. back in July. Yay! More Worst of Netflix and uh, there will be more Castle Rock Critical uh, Stephen King retrospectives coming up soon. If you are enjoying the content that we produce, and you've got a couple of bucks spare we have also got a patreon we love patreon and we love all of our patreon members and there are lots of opportunities for you to get extra bonus content and even if you like feature in some of our podcasts yeah imagine that exciting basically a member of the fan critical team which is our parent podcast so if you do have a bit of cash to spare and you want to support us in our endeavors then you can find us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash fan critical and become an official blueberry yep so you can be junior blueberry all the way up to elite blueberry elite blueberry that's amazing i want to be an elite blueberry well give me the money ante up Okay, maybe I will. Uh, So do take a look at that, follow us on social media, and uh, keep up with all the content that we're releasing. Now, back to the podcast. So it's time to get through the plot of the film, as is tradition. I'm apparently turning into Len. Uh, I have got a plot summary that we will be going through and uh, stopping at appropriate points to discuss our feelings and thoughts about what happens in the film. At the end of that, we've got a little king corner, uh, as well as maybe some tidbits throughout. Tidbits. So uh, this summary opens up like, like this. Jesse and Gerald arrive at an isolated lake house in Fairhope, Alabama for some time away. While Gerald takes Viagra, like we've gone straight into it here, yep. no preamble no. whatsoever... Um, and Viagra here is highlighted for some reason. There's a link to it in case you need to buy it. <laughs> in case you don't know what Viagra is. Uh, so while Gerald takes Viagra, Jessie starts feeding a stray dog outside. But what is she feeding it? Kobe beef. Kobe beef? I mean, I, and as Gerald very rightly points out, that's $200 a steak, that. I mean, I'm all for feeding a hungry dog, but Give also, him some that's kibble. your dinner. So what are you going to eat? Well, nothing, as we find out. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, give him some warning. kibble, bit of biscuits, you know, anything. Not Kobe beef. Um, just highlighting at the beginning here what a, a, a ditzy woman Gerald well, believes Jesse to be. Well, yeah, or very kind, actually, Gerald. Maybe you're a bit of a prick. How about that? So then they uh, they re-enter the house, leaving the back door ajar. First mistake. Yep, big mistake. Never leave your door open unattended. Uh, Jesse changes into a new nightdress, placing the tag on a shelf above the bed, and starts practicing her sexy poses. Essential to practice. It is. Practice Must get it perfect. right must get it right Gerald he's getting a bit overexcited uh, or trying to at least takes a second Viagra what is what is he thinking with that he's going a bit over the top mm, here I mean what's yeah. he want like a 15 hour erection or something oh. I think uh, he does want that to be I honest. think yeah I think it's exactly well we soon find out what he wants mm. um, as he's taking his Viagra he leans over Jesse and he leaves his glass of water on the shelf above the bed thanks Gerald well done for later he then restrains Jesse with one handcuff on each wrist locking her to the bedpost she seems a little surprised by this, but goes along with it. Right. This is how we open up. We've got a couple of minutes of preamble, and then we're into a sex game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about this? Having not read the book, Lucy, and possibly not knowing a huge amount about what would happen in this film, what was your first reaction to this bizarre opening scene? Yeah, I mean, you could tell she's not really keen, but she 
wants to please him and she's trying to convince him and herself that this is something that she's into um and you can see that there are strains in the relationship definitely but yeah it's quite a bold opening get straight into it why not yeah there's no preamble whatsoever here really is there no foreplay no no film or storytelling wise there is not there is not uh i i've got to admit so and we will do proper king corner but in the book um there is quite a lot that happens before this and there's a bit of an explanation as to how this has come about which is a slightly different scenario to the film so it's not so much of a whoa okay we're just straight into bondage uh so when are they gonna eat dinner although you don't want to do that kind of thing (laughs) you don't want to do that kind of thing straight after your kobe beef believe me not on a full stomach mate not on a full stomach uh so gerald good old gerald jezza i don't think we can call him jezza why is that that upsets me why because of jeremy corbyn no it makes me think of jeremy kyle was that a a good thing or a bad thing do you like jeremy kyle i used to enjoy it before people started hurting themselves he's horrible he's as bad as i mean he's a nasty bloke all the Jezzers. All right, we will call him Jezza. So Jezza decides he's going to be- begin to enact a stranger rape fantasy. <sighs> Telling her to scream for help, knowing no one will hear. Uh, I'm already disgusted by Gerald at this point. Uh, she half-heartedly plays along, but soon's beco- soon becomes uncomfortable telling him to stop and uncuff her. He replies, what if I won't? Brilliant. Well, I mean, it's not brilliant. It's awful. Exactly. He, he is a knob. I mean... Like, total douchebag. I mean, I'm not going to try and kink shame anyone because if you're into this kind of fantasy and it's consensual, have at it. Totally, go for it. It says a lot about their relationship that she's not into it and he doesn't care. And you know what? The fact that she's not into it probably makes it better for him. What a douchebag. 100% think it does. Well, at this point, he's like, are you playing or are you not playing? Like, Mm. is this you playing along? And, you know, again, no kink shaming. Crack on, people. Mm -hmm. I'm all good for that. Consensual. Totally fine. But if you're going to tie somebody up or you're going to handcuff them to a bed, there's got to be a safe word at this point, right? I think you need to have discussed this and it will be like, right. Because clearly there's no discussion that's happened here at all. No, they're going in cold. Um, but I've got to admit, so Carla, I can't pronounce her surname. The woman who plays Gigi- Jessie. Gugino? Carla Gugino. Let's we'll Guin- go for that. Guigno. I don't G- know. Carla G. Carla. Uh, plays this beautifully. Yes. Like, not only does she look stunning, which is not really the point, but, but she does. she is very incredibly beautiful. Her facial expressions and her reactions here are spot on. Mm. I, th- I think there's so much that she says with her face without saying it there's out loud. There's the vulnerability, mm. then there's the fear, there's the indignancy. Yeah, and that actually that like the indignity of the whole thing mm. really, really works. Mm. So, uh, so then they have a heated argument. Uh, he accuses her of not even trying to rekindle their relationship. You won't even let me try and rape you, please. I just want to be a stranger raper. <sighs> no, no Men. stranger rape. No, only if it's consensual. Only if it's consensual. Um, it, so the summary here has turned into something that I would normally write, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a bit more detail. So the summary just goes, uh, he accuses her of not even trying to rekindle their relationship. Gerald dies of a heart attack, falling on the floor, leaving Jesse in handcuffs. Bit bit too quick for me. So to the point, a couple of bits happen here. He gets a bit stressed. He's starting to rub his arm and his chest. His eyes are getting a bit bulgy. Because he's taken two Viagras yes, in two, quick succession. Very dangerous, that. Very dangerous. Didn't read the packet. Got overexcited by a stranger rape fantasy, took two Viagras, and then he has a heart attack and like collapses on Jesse. I'd have shit myself at this point. Oh my god, can you imagine? I mean, yes, I just watched an hour and forty five minutes of what happens when somebody <laughs> has a heart attack and you're chained to a fucking bed. Oh my god. Um so then Jesse manages to like 
kick her off him. But at one point she, so she's got him like elevated in the air with her feet and she's like, come on, wake up, wake up. And this is, I found this hilarious because he just looks like a big rag doll. I know. And you can imagine the heaviness of him as well. It's a whole yeah. dead weight. So some He's strong legs there. Dead weight and just person. A big guy. So well done. Well done, Jesse. And um, what would you do if that happened to you, Lucy? Oh God. Um, now I'd probably try and follow what she does, although not. Ooh, maybe not. Well, you know, we've all seen 127 hours. You've yeah. got to do what you've got to do sometimes to escape. Um, yeah. Calling for help. I don't know. I would maybe hope that the dog would like chew off his hand and take it somewhere and that might lead people. I don't know. I I would try and... That's a good hope. mm, I think it's a bit optimistic of you. I would try and break the um, bed frame somehow. Mm. It doesn't really... I know know in this situation it can't because that's not how the bed frame is put together. Well, I mean... I'd probably just starve to death, let's be honest. I think I'd give up. Slowly and painfully. Um... And that's the end of my life. <laughs> Bye, Lucy. <laughs> Gerald's game. Gerald has won. Uh, so Gerald's game has gone seriously wrong here. Gerald is now dead on the floor. There is a massive crack. His head hits mm. the hits the uh, wooden floorboards Much and then blood. starts bleeding. And all of a sudden, uh, that that stray dog turns up. That's scary. Now Ugh. this adds an extra dimension. Having when I watched it, um, obviously you don't know what's going to happen. And you know the dog being eaten alive by a dog. While you're chained to a bed, got to be up there, one of the worst ways to die. And I thought that yeah. it might go that way. And yeah. it could have. Easily. Total nightmare. Attempts were made, kind of. But luckily there was a, something else dead for him to eat. Well, um, so do you remember at the beginning that uh, it turns out that his name is Prince? Yeah. That's on his, uh, that's on his collar. So he's not a stray. He's in just the... greedy. Well, there is a backstory for Prince in the book. You even get a point of view for Prince POV chapter for um, the dog yeah no joke you actually do um, he is quite often referred to in the book as the former Prince because he's now basically homeless dog the artist homeless formerly dog? known as Prince yeah oh, Mr Trick sad there. times uh, but Prince as we'll now call him not formerly Prince uh, bites a chunk out of Joel's arm and just starts going at it mm-hmm. he's like oh this looks tasty as fuck and then out of nowhere Gerald stands up and starts talking to Jesse yeah right. it took me a minute here because this is different to the novel. It took me a minute to work out what the fuck was going on. I was it's like, different, is it? Yeah, it is. So Gerald is not one of Jesse's visions, voices, or visions. Um, it's an effective <laughs> narrative device. It is, and this sparks off a conversation where Jesse is clearly already starting to lose the plot because a dog's eaten her dead husband and she's chained to a bed. She's in shock. I imagine she's probably. Going swiftly into madness here, I would just lose it. Panic I think. is setting in. Um, and they start having a conversation about the the truths of their strained marriage and his erectile dysfunctions, plural in this <laughs> mm. summary. Well, he's two, so yeah. Uh, well, yeah, two Viagras. Uh, what did you think of the impact of this? Um, yeah, I thought it was, like I said, an interesting plot device and a good way to demonstrate that actually things have been going wrong for a while. Um, and it makes good use of the actor as well. And I think he's good. He is good. And it kind of, he imbues him with a different character that, I mean, obviously we only saw Jezza for like a couple of minutes before he croaked. And he was a dick. Massive dick. But seeing him in this sort of ghost form or whatever it is, the memory form, he's kind of like a bit bitchy, isn't he? And a bit like sassy pants, which I, I quite enjoyed. Sassy pants. Yeah. I love that. He, yeah, he is. He's a bit sort of, like he's got a bit of grit. Yeah. I quite like it. And he's a bit funny now that he's dead. And, and he's like mocking her to... and all that, which is obviously horrible, but it's quite like entertaining as well. 
Um, so you may recognise Bruce Greenwood from a number of things, including uh, Star Trek in 2009. Don't know it. iRobot. Yeah, um, he's in um the assassination. No, the post. The um no, the well, people versus OJ Simpson. I believe yes. he's the DA. I think you're right. We'll it, check or, that or later. Someone very similar looking to him. Um, I I quite like him. I, I like the um kind of bouncing off each other thing that they've got. Mm. The uh, like Carla G and Bruce Greenwood. The G's uh, do quite well. Um, so then he's saying to her, oh, you've wasted hours already doing nothing. Mm. She's starting to get dehydrated and fatigued. He talks about how long it's been. What has it been, like five hours now? It's almost sunset. It's going to get dark. And then out of nowhere, she pulls a hand out of the cuff and she's free. Oh, it's like, you know, when oh. you have a dream that, I don't know, you're, if you're really dreading something, or, you know, maybe something even like, you know, you've had a bereavement or something, you'll dream that, person's back or the thing that you really don't want to have to do is done and you're like sweet and then you wake up you're like fuck still got a dream it's very relatable but this then turns into something quite interesting because um she starts gloating at gerald and then turns around and tells herself Mm. jesse's still trapped on the bed that it's easy to escape now we have two jessies yes we have uh vision slash internal self jesse who is free and wandering around and pushing trapped real life jesse uh to try and get her shit together it's her like resourceful subconscious isn't it who knows what she needs to do and he's going to use the darkest moments of her life in order to do it oh we're going to get to that in a minute aren't we Mm -hmm. fucking hell um i I like the way they do this so in the the book when i was reading i was thinking how the fuck are they going to put this on screen because she has three or four internal voices that she sort Mm. of talks to or are part of her that represent various different people and I just thought how on earth do you put this on in a film because I'm not creative Uh, I could imagine it being in your head because it's quite an insular book because it is all from one internal Um, but I like the way they've done this because it demonstrates that it is her talking to herself, but yeah. not just talking to herself in a bed. There's a physical manifestation of her in a monologue. And it's so a great showcase for Carla G as well as an actress, because again, the two Jessies are not the same. One is a lot more ballsy. One is yep. a lot more like kind of sassy as well. Again, but she's obviously more focused and driven because she's out and she knows what she needs to do in order to to escape. And then we've got the stricken Jessie that's panicking hard so it's really great to see both sides of that performance and actually for her to have the opportunity to to do both those performances because mm. she's a very talented actress i Super think point. really good uh so gerald and uh ballsy jesse that's what we'll call her uh, start talking to her about talking to stricken jesse about things that she's never spoken to gerald about never had the courage to acknowledge shall we say um and then as they're going through um various things trigger her to remember that the glass of water has been placed on the shelf above the bed, which is great because at this point, it's been about seven hours since she's drunk anything. It's hot, she's panicked, she's a bit dehydrated. Mm. I mean, you sleep for seven hours without needing a drink, but yeah. So yeah. if you're awake, you're going to be thirsty. You're going to be thirsty. And also she's been screaming for help, panicking, she's panicking hyperventilating, say, all sweating, that shit. Sweated out all the liquid. Quite sweaty, quite sweaty. Um, so she gets it, but lo and behold... Don't reach her mouth, does it? Oh, oh, it's just so painful. Agony. It was when she yanked the chain. I was like, no! Even though I knew that was going to happen because this happens exactly the same way. Uh, but then, of course, another little hallucination of hers in her delirious state reminds her of that tag from her nice new nighty. 
Always buying clever, new clever. 90s. Roll it into a straw. Now you can drink the water. Excellent. Excellent. So she's sated and she falls asleep. Here's where shit gets real weird. Yeah. Shit gets this weird. This is such yeah. a like weird level of this book. Well, the, the story. But it's weird in the book as well because all of a sudden I was like, Whoa, what? Because this what? is like a horrible conundrum. Like, this is horrible. This is, like I said, 127 hours. That kind yep. of like, how the fuck are you going to get out of this? And then you're like, oh, wait. There's, well. It's worse. There's already well, a dog eating my husband. But this is like, you would assume a nightmare. And it's very horrible yes. and scary, but it's a hallucination. Yep. At this point, totally convinced of that. Yes. Totally convinced because what else could it fucking be? So she wakes up in the dark. Already terrifying. It's scary. Chained to a bed, in the dark, on your own. Can't reach and put a light on. No one there. Mm. Probably starting to smell. Mm. Gerald, Jezza mm, there, yeah, rotting away on the floor. And she sees a tall, deformed and obscured figure in the corner of the room. Uh, and he then steps forward to reveal a bag of various bones and trinkets. What the fuck? I mean, have you... This happens to me a lot, not that, but... <laughs> Um, when you're in bed, I don't I don't sleep that well anyway. But you wake up, and I, I'll, I will yeah, because I have like a dressing gown on the back of the door or yep. a towel hanging over the cupboard, and I'm like, there's someone there. I have a time. Uh, dressing table that's opposite the end of my bed with a mirror on it, Ooh, and sometimes I if I sit up in the night, you'll like see myself, and I'm yeah. like, oh, what the ghost fuck? Emma. It's like ghost woman because I don't look pretty when I wake up in the middle <laughs> of the night either. It's like fuck, the girl from the rings here. <laughs> Um, yeah I totally get that and I, so when I first saw this I was like god I, I really I know where you're coming from yeah, like, there's a same. bit of light coming through the window and you can't quite see the shadows in and the you'll, corner and you'll focus on it if you're like me you focus on what you can see and it's so real and then suddenly you'll be like oh wait no it, it, it will dawn on you what you're actually looking at uh, but this doesn't happen here even though yeah. Jessie closes her eyes like, you're not real you're not real um, and then Gerald appears thanks Jezza because you've been a right dick here he's like that's death he's going to take you and he starts chatting away about how um, there, there's, oh, well, this might happen later, but there's a bit where he talks about how, like, death will come for women alone in the night time. And I was like, Jezza, you're being a prick. Yeah. Um, so then Jezza starts calling her mouse, which mm. freaks her out. And this is where shit really gets So we're up. going to another level of subconscious trauma. So not only is she chained to a bed, her husband's dead being eaten by a dog, now there's a weird hallucination creepy man with like bones and stuff in the corner of her room now there's been a memory triggered of her dad um who (laughs) oh we're gonna have to go into it so now she goes back in time she's 12 years old they're uh they're vacationing at the lake house with the family eclipse isn't there it is it's an eclipse it's a once in a lifetime the eclipse is a massive motif um so is smell in the book you don't really get that so much in the film, but smell is. Well, that's a great uh, sort of trigger for memories, isn't it, smell? Yeah. Very evocative. Huge. Ocular memory. Oh, nice. No, that's eyes. That's what I was thinking. I was like, ocular? What's smell? Oh, is it like olifular or like... Mm, Off, ole, olfactory. Follicular or is it Olfactory. Yeah, olfactory. Olfactory memory. Uh, anyway, so she's 12 years old, so they get to the lake house, and Jess is like, it's so much smaller than I remember. Don't know what accent that is. Yeah. And her dad turns Mickey around <laughs> being like, that's because you're bigger. Uh, Jessie doesn't want to go out on the lake to watch it with her heavily pregnant mother and her brother and sister. So she's like, I'll, I'll stay with dad. The guy that plays Jessie's dad, he, fuck, he's creepy. He is creepy, right. So Like, well done. That's very good Thomas, acting. who was in E.T., Elliot. What? Yeah. Elliot. 
Well, now you've ruined E.T. Well, but the thing is, this guy, the actor Henry Thomas, is in um, The Haunting of Hill House uh, on Netflix. Yeah, which I haven't seen. Which is the same director. I did know. Carla G is in that as well as the mum. Fabulous. But because of this film and how creepy he is, in the show, I'm like, this guy's so creepy. Because he plays the dad in... Um, Haunting of Hill House, and everyone's like, he's not. I'm like, he's so creepy. I just, there's something about his mannerisms. I'm just like, and I'm just so sad because he's ET. I know. That's quite interesting though, because I, well, A, I'm upset that it's the kid from ET. And actually, the pregnant mum is, I think, the director's wife, who is also in Ah. Haunting of Hill House. See, I don't think I can watch The Haunting of Hill House now. A, because it will terrify me, and I can't watch scary shit on my own. Really scary. And B, because he is terrifying. I was, I was, I mean, are you going to watch it? No. Well, actually, I won't because people were out there. But I, because of this, I thought that his character in the show would go a different way because I was like, creepy, 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 uh, creepy. Well, actually, this is a really good question. So I knew what was going to happen here. In So when I read this in the book, same thing. A lot more graphic, to be honest. Um, mm. When I read this in the book, I was like sitting outside work at lunchtime having a cigarette and reading this. And I finished this chapter where this had been happening. And as I walked in, one of the other commercial directors was walking next to me. Yeah, I am. How are you? I was like, I'm fucking traumatised. Well, what's wrong? I was like... How does it happen in the book? Uh, just in more detail. Yeah. Same scenario, just more detailed. But when you when this happened, when you kind of flash back to this scene, did you think this was going to happen? I thought abuse of some sort was going to happen. I mean, this was just... Because why is she going back <sighs> to this, like, time if it's not... Because it's traumatic. Like, I don't know. In this yeah. sort of film, I was like... Yeah. I was hoping it might be like she saw a murder or something. No, but no. it's always fucking... But no. Men they're, being They're abusive. sitting on a swing bench, waiting to watch the eclipse, and uh, Jesse's dad, simperingly disgusting. It's like, oh, I remember when you were little and used to sit on my lap. Gross. She's like, I'm not too big. She sits on his lap, and then all of a sudden, it's like... He's getting a bit overexcited. She's watching the eclipse and he's just jerking off. Disgusting. Which, which is unbelievably But it seems really revolting. like it's vile, obviously. But it seems, from watching it, it seemed like that's the first and last time it ever happens. Mm-hmm. Not saying, so it's fine at all. It's horrific. It's, it's just it's bizarre. Abuse. But it just seems strange that it would be a one-time thing. That doesn't seem to usually be the pattern of abuse. No, no, not at all. And that there weren't any kind of precursors to it at all. I mean, maybe there were, but we just don't... Yeah, maybe. Maybe it started then and it carried on. Who knows? Um, I'm he not going to talk about this thing. He seems quite sorry about uh, it. Well, well, that's interesting because that part of it, and we, I think we kind of might come back to it in a bit, but she basically... Um, <clears throat> ballsy Jesse says to Stricken Jesse, which is now their new names. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that wasn't as bad as what he did to you afterwards. And when yeah, you first no, hear that, you're like, what the fuck happened next? Um, but basically convinces her to be the one to say that they shouldn't tell anyone because they'll blame her for it. Yeah. Which is, which is, it's not worse. But, but it's part horrend- of the abuse, the yeah. manipulation. Gaslighting. Yeah. He Vile. gaslit no she's his like- 12-year-old daughter. No yeah. wonder she married Jezza. Yeah, well, father figure. Well, Yeah. Um, so no more no more eclipses no more sitting on anyone's laps no no goodbye horrible mm-hmm. so she wakes up 
<clears throat> from this hideous recollection um, in incredible pain because clearly she's fallen asleep. All her circulation has been cut off. Her body's oh. in cramp. Can, mm. Oh, I just can't think of anything worse, can you? No. It just And you know when you wake up and you've slept on your arm and you're like, oh, I can't feel and it. It's dead. It's... it's such a uniquely uncomfortable feeling. But she must not be able to feel any of her arms. Like her whole body weight has been pulled on this. Her hands yeah. are starting to turn purple. And it's it's shot beautifully, actually, I yeah. think. Um, and uh, Gerald and Ballsy Jessie are a bit sceptical about her claiming that she's dealt with the pressure of keeping this secret. They go back to talking about the whole masturbating thing abuse the the abuse yeah um and and then start to link that to uh why she married gerald which let's be honest he is incredibly like her dad yes um controlling and manipulative um and apparently not a particularly um considerate about consent no well yep yeah Children, children can't give consent Yes. Well, no, but you know what I mean. Yes. You get my point. Um, and then Jezza starts, not only has he been like, yeah, you married a man just like your dad, you fucked up. Uh, now he starts teasing her about the uh, the creepy figure she saw in the corner the night before. Hallucination. He calls in the man made of moonlight. That seems like a really nice name for this monster. Yeah, that is not, a, that sounds lovely. It's like the Sandman, Mr. Sandman, like man made of moonlight, like the Silver Surfer or something, not this thing. I wish it was the Silver Surfer, that would make he's it much less He's quite creepy in scary. his own way. Not as creepy as this dude. No. Um, and then Gerald points out what he thinks is a bloody footprint on the floor. Proof that perhaps this was not a hallucination. But maybe that's a hallucination, Gerald. Yeah, Gerald, you're real, real, you're dead. Yeah. You're being eaten by a dog. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so Jesse then starts thinking a little bit more about uh, <clears throat> the night of the eclipse, which is what we'd now call it. Yes. And um, that bit that we just mentioned about you know him manipulating her into saying, "Oh, I'll never tell anyone. I couldn't. They'll blame me." Awful, awful man. Uh, and then she remembers after that cutting her hand when she squeezed a glass of water too hard when her mother asked her about said eclipse. And all of a sudden, that, again, well-done inner brain Jessie's uh, makes her think about how uh, how hot and lubricating blood is. <sighs> is how so I feel about basically, that. basically, um, I don't really want to dwell on this part too much because it's... Can it's, we go through quite quickly because it makes me feel sick? Anything to do with wrists... Um, Same! It makes me incredibly squeamish. So basically, as soon as I knew what was about to happen, I didn't watch any of it. No. And yet, my viewing partner said it was the most disgusting your, thing he'd ever your seen. Your viewing partner? Yes. My boyfriend. The person I, I viewed it with. My partner. My partner in crime. Yeah, he said it was the most disgusting thing he'd ever seen. I So I when I, I had to read this, mm. and this went on for quite some time, yeah, and nah. it was fucking revolting. Nah, anyway, the, the, the sum of it is, close your ears, Lucy. She smashes the water glass. I can, I can hear it, and I've seen it. So sticks glass into the edge of the shelf, rips her wrist off with it, pulls it through the cuff, pulling, de- basically degloving de- her hand. Yeah. Or <clears throat> I didn't watch it either. Yeah. I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. I put a cushion in front of my face and then had to just guess it was safe because there was no one to tell me it was. It wasn't the first time, which was awful. Um, but she got a hand free. And there was this moment where you're like, I know it's disgusting, but I'm so pleased for you. And then you go, oh, so how are you going to get out of this, mate? Still, my uh, my irritation here is that. Well, okay. So, firstly, <clears throat> she goes for the phone. Right, the phone is definitely dead at yeah. this point. Don't waste time. No, you just slit your wrist. You need to 
Keep your hand above your heart. Yep. Elevate. Yes, to stop the blood from gushing. And actually, seeing as you've cut across, bend your wrist down. Mm. Bandage Compress. it. Tourniquet. And get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Drink some water, I actually would drink yeah, some water. Yeah, have some water, definitely. Slowly, though, you because you need to rehydrate because you're losing so much blood as well. So eventually she does work out that going for the phone was a fucking stupid thing to do. Um, in, the, uh, in the novel, it's obviously a landline because it's written in the 90s. So that should have been all right, then. Uh, it was unplugged. By whom? Uh, Gerald, apparently, because he didn't want to be disturbed from his sexy rape fantasy. Who's going to be ringing you at a remote... I don't know. Lawyers and stuff from work. Uh, But she manages to drag the bed across, grab a key, unlock her other hand, get some water, bandage herself up with some fucking sanitary towels. Good work. Yep, very absorbent. Off she goes, and then all of a sudden, bomb. Done. Gone. Passed out. Realistic. Uh, Which is totally realistic. Because if she'd have just wandered out and been fine... Not realistic. Not going to buy it. What, not going to buy it. What she's gone through with regards to having no food or drink for however many hours and then losing so much blood. Yes, you will faint. And also she did then just have to, before that, step over the dead body of her husband. Yes, traumatic. Which, traumatic, losing blood. Um, but she does wake up again. Thank God. Uh, yep. And uh, said man made of moonlight is standing at the end of the hall. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. This, Why is he still there? I don't know and I hate it. It gave me nightmares. Yeah, I mean... It's horrible, and but also, why? Why have you come back? I think he likes her. But why? I don't know. And this, so, funny enough, talking about Doctor Sleep, this makes me think of, um, like, the true not guys that are all sort of creepy and weird. Oh, the vampires. Yeah, like the uh, shining vampire people. Soul vampires. Thank you. Um, it kind of makes me think of that, but also at the same time of some kind of weird, slightly slow lumbering, like, lurch type yeah, character. Yeah, very lurch I mean, the vibes. guy that, I think this guy played lurch. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, he Carl, plays all them. Man. Carl, Carl, something. Yeah, we'll get there in a bit. Carol, yeah, I think he's like Czech or something. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> he's got his little trinket bag out. Mm-hmm. All right, mate. Well done. Um, she's like, oh, I have to have my wedding ring. Gives it to him and then gets to the car. Right, how she got? How has she managed this? She's she's cut her wrist, and the adrenaline, pure adrenaline, must be driving her here. It's the survival instinct, isn't it? Fight or fight flight. flight. So that's that's fine with me her doing that and i think the great thing and this is something that stephen king does really well is that you're really not sure at this point if this moonlight man is real or not and he feels very much like a figment of her imagination or kind of you know as we've got ballsy jesse and gerald maybe another part of her mind maybe it is death or it's just fear that's the manifestation of of fear although I mean, actually, we haven't talked about one of the worst bits of the film. Oh, have we not? So have I skipped something over with Just my terrible because, summary? No, but there's a bit that I always think about is when she's obviously dreaming and then she looks at the, the sort of base of her of the bed and the moonlight man's licking her feet. Oh my God, so, I've forgotten about that. Sorry, but it's so disturbing. And she sort of startles and then it, she finds out it's the dog. That has stayed with me because it's fucking so Ooh. disturbing. See, it's right, so disturbing. three things here I've decided I don't like. Feet. Non-consensual rape fantasies. Um, no one does. Child that. abuse and licking feet. <gasps> I mean, consensual, you're not going anywhere near my feet. You I don't, don't want to go Chris anywhere near Hemsworth. my feet. You're not coming near my feet. I wouldn't let Chris Hemsworth near my no, feet. No, my feet are like Fred Flintstone feet. Nobody wants to come near them. My feet smell. I mean, so do mine probably. But the point Ugh. being, I w- you couldn't pay me to let someone lick my feet. So the thought of that, like you're tied up, someone's doing that. I know it's just the dog, or is it? 
but it's such a Even horrible the dog. image. I'm yeah. not down oh, with that. It's ticklish. Um, so yeah, I just had to go back to that because it was so horrible. I mean, we just got past the traumatizing part, and now you brought it back. Um, we're even more traumatising driving along getting a bit woozy obviously severe blood loss she's started to escape uh, Moonlight Man back seat how did he get there before she did that's really fucking weird is he really there um, well at this point do we know and at this point do we think he's real I don't know no, I don't think he's real doesn't no. make any sense that he'd be real it makes no sense uh, but she crashed, crashed into a tree that's it I mean we knew this was going to happen uh, she's losing consciousness probably the best thing for her probably if anything she's out she's free and if there's a car crash someone's going to see that her wandering around into the woods not so much she finally um, this bit when she like when she when she crashes and she comes to and she opens the door her face is a fucking mess Mm. it is almost as gruesome as the degloving no it's not but it is it's pretty pretty awful defacing (laughs) defacing (laughs) Um, and it seems like this is the end of her ordeal she's free Home free. Yay. So we jump to six months later. And Jessie's sitting and writing a letter with her little skin graft glove. Just use typewriter. Just use it. Just use it. Yeah. Use a keyboard. I'll be honest, in the book she uses a computer, so. Yeah. That's 1992. It has got got a green screen. Um, You know, it's like the one from Weird Science. Yeah. Uh, She's writing a letter to her 12-year-old self. Good therapy, Um, I imagine. I imagine very much so. And then we get some some voiceovers and some flashback scenes or sort of imagined scenes where she uh, she talks about how like she had amnesia. Everyone believes it. She doesn't remember anything what's happened. She avoids all the painful if questions. Only that was true. Um, and uh, and then this ending has two elements to it. We've, hmm. Somehow we're nearing the end of the film very quickly. I feel like I've missed some things. No, we did the toe licking. Ugh. It's not a long film, really. No, I mean, it's an hour and 40, but not... I mean, it's just a woman trapped in a bed. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she uses some of Gerald's life insurance to start a foundation for victims of sexual abuse. Well done, Jessie. Very well done. I like this. Um, but each night, the man made of moonlight still appears before her as she falls asleep. Fucking creepy. I'd have insomnia. Uh, but here is where shit gets real. Literally. So uh, her wedding ring, never found in the house. And then she learns from the news that there has been a man with acromegaly, don't know what that is, uh, a disfiguration of the head, uh, is a serial killer. He's been digging up crypts, stealing bones and jewels, and occasionally eating the faces of male corpses. Fucks uh, them as well, does he not? Uh, I don't know if that happens in the film. Definitely happens in the book. I feel like necrophilia is brought up. He, I'm pretty sure it's mentioned, not as graphically as it no, is in the novel. Like Thank you, Stephen. On. Um, so it turns out <clears throat> he's real. The Moonlight Man is real. Right. The thing is, this is the, what bothers me about this is not so much that it's real, but it's the fact that this person was born deformed to look, and you know, through no fault of his own, he looks monstrous, and then he turns into like horrific. He turns into a monster. I think that's really like not right. I think it's sad. Stephen King to write it like that. Like he looks awful, so he's actually the worst thing you can imagine. Well, is that fair to victims of disfigurement? Is it? Not really. I don't like it. I think it's really like I'm not sure that any reductive. of this is fair to a lot of people mm. in a lot of ways. I just the I book didn't is, enjoy that. Yeah. It's um it's also just incredibly fucked up. So not only have we had to go through the trauma of Jessie being chained to a bed and almost dying and her husband's face being eaten and like being mauled by a dog, now it turns out that some creepy grave-digging necrophile slash possible killer has been, just been hanging out with her and not, not 
not helped her. No. That's what I don't get. Or I, killed her. Well, he, I, I think he has a particular preference. I know he likes men. Um, which is fine. I mean, not in a necrophilia don't, way yeah. or a murder way. Um, I don't understand why he didn't set her free. That's the thing that got me. It wasn't the fact that he was a crazy grave robbing what was he doing there like it just the fact that maybe she saw him and then it's like oh actually no he was real and this is a murderer I wasn't him sure kept coming back like why I wasn't sure if I would have preferred him to be real or not I think I would have preferred him to be not real I think this is a weird tacked on ending like oh yeah by the way that, that vision yeah that was real, a real guy yeah I know yeah he did, did look horrible he had a horrible condition and it, he was also a horrible person and he did awful things mm. Yeah. So Jessie decides, um, in order to, what should we say, deal with her trauma, that she'll um, she'll go to court as he's being sentenced and try and get his attention so she can, you know, put it to rest eventually. Mm, exercise him. <laughs> he eventually quotes what, uh, what, so he turns around. He's like, hey, hey. And he turns around and like lifts his arms up, breaking his little plastic arm ties. Mm. And this guy's seven foot tall, for God's sake. Yeah. Like put some chains on him. Let's learn a lesson here. Cable ties ain't going to help. No. Um, he has moon, you're only made of moonlight. Yeah. Um, He's well happy. He's well charged. And then, uh, so Jesse gets a bit, you know, like all visiony. And uh, his face morphs into Gerald's and then her dad. And then she turns around and goes, you're so much smaller than I remember. And walks triumphantly out into the street with the sunlight gleaming down on her. Dumb ending. Sunglasses on. I hated that. Dumb ending. In the book, she spits in his face. I just think, the thing is, he is obviously vile and everything. He didn't do anything to her. He haunts her because he's scary. But also, he's not haunting her her now. That's her imagination. He only stood there twice. The memory of him haunts her. But the dog, I mean, the dog didn't do anything either. I mean, the dog couldn't. The dog licked her. But the dog ate her husband, but also you would if you were starving and you were a dog. Yeah, that's, that's kind of worse than what he does to her, if you're looking at it that way. I just think it's weird that... It's almost insult by inaction, I think, is what they're trying to get at, isn't it? What, what haunts her is him and not Gerald or her dad, the people that really did abuse her. It's him, who is monstrous looking and is very frightening. It's transference. But why do you think that is transference? It's transference because it's... And one it's scarier that it's a scary man. It's something that she can actually react to because Gerald's dead mm. her dad's dead Good. he's he's there it's a physical thing that she can rail against but and I mean I think, the fact that he but is it doesn't make any sense her, like, as in she's what, dreaming about him I think that this story was haunting and terrifying enough just with the inner turmoil of Jesse without having agreed this, this dude this really over the top like if you could think of everything bad that a, a murderer could do the most gruesome, like horrific. It's like, oh yeah, it's him. I don't think and he, he looks even, like a monster. I don't think he even kills anyone in the book. I think he just basically makes corpses, give them blowjobs and steals finger bones and rings. Mm, I mean, that's not I mean, very still nice. Creepy. You're not killing people. What are they arresting him for? Necrophilia and necro something. Necro, necro shit. It's not that. I hope it was. That would be better. Much better. Necromancy over necrophilia. Any day. Any day. Um, and, and that's it. That's the film. Dumb ending. But the rest of it's good, but that left a bit of a... I kind of felt like we could have stopped at the, like, writing building the, the foundation, writing, yeah. the, writing the letter. It's like she's healed and, yeah. you know, she's doing something worthwhile with the, tra- the, like, the results of the trauma. Yeah. 
She's using it stupid. for good. Oh yes, it was a real serial killer that was in the house, and he looks like a monster. And he I wonder. Horses. And actually, what? I wondered this after reading it and then watching it in quite quick succession. If Stephen King was planning on writing a book about this guy, yeah, because I mean, he does yeah. go into a bit of detail about it, and I wonder if he was thinking about. I think it might have even been in Castle Rock, um, because they mention either Pangborn or the other one. Which one? The other sheriff before Pangborn. Oh yeah, I can't uh, remember Zimmerman. Name. Zimmerman. Don't know. We'll say it is. We'll go with that. Um, but they mention. I'm pretty sure it is Pangborn actually. Um, and I think at one point they even mentioned Cujo because mm. you know rabid dog and that. Uh, I I wonder if he was going to turn this into something. He may have done. I don't know. But I think but I just feel like it's a bit. He's of a weird very addition. OTT. This this Moonlight Man is very OTT, even for um, Stephen King. If you think of we've we've said it time and time again, the horror in Stephen King is usually every day. Yeah. So The Shining. Okay, there are ghosts, but it's your dad that's chasing you with the axe. Yeah. Like it's that's the horror. This is the horror of your being trapped and the abuses you've suffered at the hands yeah. of the men that you've loved. And having no control. Not to... this crazy, over-the-top yeah. monster villain. Well, um, do you want to hear some, some King Corner I tidbits? I do. How does the ending... Are you going to go into this? How I, the I will tell you. Right. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you now. So, go ahead. So she... I'm going to go through in order because I yeah, need you do, to give do you... Yeah, do it how you need to do it. I need to give you some background. So in the book, we have uh, three main voices in okay. Jessie's head. So you've got um, Ruth, who's her old college roommate, which is basically ballsy Jessie. So yeah. Um, she no longer talks to Ruth and hasn't done for a long time, so a lot of guilt there. And she realises it's Ruth. Uh, Ruth tried to get her to talk about her trauma after something, but yeah. she would never talk to her about it. Then you've got, and like, this is one of my favourites, so what we call the good wife Burlingame. Um, so that's her surname, hmm. Jessie Burlingame. Oh. And she's she's called Goody, but basically this is the part of Jessie's personality who's like, oh no, just smile and be sweet and lovely. Yeah. Gerald doesn't mean it, blah, blah, blah. But actually turns out to be quite useful in the end. She's the cautious part of Jessie's mind. And then you've got young Jessie, little pumpkin. Little pumpkin who's really cute, but she is um, possibly one of the most useful voices in Jessie's head because she has a very simple mm. but intelligent outlook. Mm. You do also occasionally get the voice of her mother. You don't really get Gerald as much. Um, so that that makes things a bit different, mm. I think, and it changes the ending, which we'll come to in a bit. Um, Gerald's death is different. So Jessie, she really takes umbrage at... Um, Umbridge at being uh, chained up it's, it's less of a, a rape fantasy and more of a, an escalation of their previous experimentation with light bondage okay so, so it's she, not a, such a surprise no so she's more will, like prepared for it maybe. yeah okay. um but i don't think she quite realized how intense intense it's gonna be um so she eventually kicks him she kicks him wallops him with her feet in the chest and the balls and that's what causes his heart attack that's gotta hurt yep and uh, that was pretty. That was pretty awful because she did basically kill him. Not really her fault, you know. He was not listening to her. And in the book, Gerald, Gerald is gross in the book. Like I get the impression he's like a bit of a like slightly chubby, balding mm. arsehole. See, in this, he's like sort of handsome older man. He's, like I, I would. <laughs> yeah, you know, fair. things get real but, dry. I, you know, probably give it a bash. He, um, no Viagra's He's though. like a, a handsome older guy, like quite dashing and that type. So it's not 
out of the realms you see them together it's not like yeah. what you're like yeah they fit Fair. they fit but in the book he's, he's more of like so he's a lawyer I think mm, I think he's yeah. a lawyer in this as well he's a lawyer and he's one of the I hate to say this to any lawyers who might be listening um, but there is a stereotypical like you have a stereotypical image of the Brits we've not got terrible teeth some of us do but no, we I don't great, to be you've honest. got lovely teeth no, Lucy. I've got a snaggle tooth I I used to have a snaggle tooth too. You've got you've had your nice braces. I did, Um, but he's that stereotypical kind of middle aged. He's worked his way up. He's got too much money. He's you know he's upset because his two hundred dollar Kobe beef steak has been fed to a stray. Um, You know he's all about cars and flashing, and you know he's overweight and having a heart attack. Mm. You know this guy does not look like he's about to have a heart attack. Looks fit physically. He looks like he's fine. Let's be honest. Um, So I thought that was that made it a bit different. I think because. In the book, Jessie kind of hates... She hates Gerald, really, by this point. Mm. Like, their their marriage is pretty loveless. Um, and I think... Do we know we, how much younger she is than him in the book? I don't... I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, but I, I think that changes the impact of it. And you, because Gerald doesn't get up and start talking to her like he does in the film. I understand why they did it. I yeah. think it was a good, it was a good choice. Um, what I quite like, and I'd forgotten about this, so um, the guy that plays Joubert the Moonlight Man, it, which it is, yeah, Carol Strucken, uh, also played the giant on Twin Peaks. I don't watch Twin You Peaks. should watch the original Twin Peaks, it's great. Okay. Um, and I knew I recognised him and he is creepy in that. Uh, not through any fault of his own, he plays a creepy tall. character. He is seven foot. He's massive. Um, but in the book, they call him, <laughs> she starts humming that song that's like, and they call me the Space Cowboy. Some people call me Space Cowboy. Yeah. Whoop. And that's basically what they, she describes him as. It's hilarious. Why? I don't know. It's really weird. And she, they, they do call him the Moonlight Man and then Maurice? Death and Maurice, <laughs> uh, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, one of the things that we miss, which is a big difference, I think, uh, in the book there is a part where she revisits um, her relationship with a psychiatrist that she saw for a while called Nora, who had taught her things like how to, you know, relax and calm herself down. She, so she does some of that stuff in the book. Um, but it, it's also uh, quite important because she uh, she cuts ties with that, you know, psychiatrist patient relationship when things get clue, too close about the the eclipse conversation. Yeah. And when she eventually escapes, she goes to look up Nora, and Nora's died. Oh, it's really sad. Really sad. Okay. But the ending, so. Similar, she the whole get in the car, Moonlight Man's in the back, it's creepy. She doesn't crash along the way, she just passes out and stops and then wakes up again. Mm. Then she drives to a gas station, which is like just outside of all this little residential bit, pulls up and just sits there like, right, what do I do now? Covered in fucking blood, looking a shit state. And one of her neighbours walks up and is like, Jesse, are you oh my god? Um, and eventually like, he's like, did you do this to yourself or did somebody do this to you? And she can't explain and blah, blah, blah. Just take me to the hospital. Why does it matter? Like, fuck me, I'm bleeding. Help <laughs> Either me. Either way, I need help. Help me. Um, so then she eventually gets to the hospital and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Same amnesia thing. She doesn't really talk about it. Um, and one of Gerald's uh, law firm partners who uh, looks like he might get Gerald's job. You know, good for him. Good for him. He basically takes over the the PR and sort of a bit of care of Jessie throughout it because they don't want it to get out that she was yeah. chained to a bed and her husband had a heart attack while they're doing some hanky-panky. Um, you know, this, that and the other because it's not going to look good for anyone. Cover up. Um, but he he's quite supporting of her and she he's the only person that she tells about the Moonlight Man. 
Ah, so she does tell someone. She does. He doesn't believe her. <laughs> Shock. Shock horror. Um, and then eventually it turns out that um, they finally catch Jubert, the Moonlight Man. And uh, she's... So the guy, I can't remember the guy's name. The other lawyer is like, okay, you you were right. Have you seen this bloke? And he's like, yeah, yeah that's the man that was in the room with me. Mm, and it's all a bit... Um, so the letter she's writing at the end... She's writing to Ruth. So she's oh. finally reconnecting with Ruth and she kind of writes it in three parts, telling her what happened, what that then kind of led her back to, to think about the whole eclipse events and everything. And then the kind of, then the bit afterwards about actually it turns out he was real. This is the really fucked up bit. And you get quite a lot of detail about it. And I kind of like that better. Yeah. Than the start of foundation and then go and like yell at a seven foot man she yeah. does she does go to the court um and she like spits in his face and then just it's walks just off like he again he didn't do anything to her like but it's not as big a deal it's just it's just a weird like focus for it like right at the end you think he's a creepy hallucination that's just sort of there i don't know i just i just found there's a disconnect for me there i'm not mm. quite getting i i think the thing that I mean, it makes no sense. It is nonsense. I think the thing that you get in the book is there is a lot more because it's so much in the monologue, but it's a mm. conversation between at least four people at once. Yeah. Because you've got her, you've got Jessie, and then you've got young Jessie, Goody, Ruth, and then occasionally other voices that she calls like UFOs. And basically, she said she's heard these different parts of her personality speaking since the eclipse. Yeah. So it's her coping mechanism, it's like essentially. Yeah. Um, which, which I totally get. Um, Having said that, I quite like the foundation thing in in the film. Yeah, I think that like makes sense from a narrative point of view, and it's quite satisfying that she would like we said the the proceeds of this trauma are going towards helping people like her that didn't have that kind of help, yeah. which is great. But it's just that you're so much smarter than you look, or than I remember, and then walking off triumphantly. It's the sunglasses. That's yeah. the bit that fucked me off. Yeah, it's like fucking Sex in the City or something. It made me think of Thelma and Louise. Yeah, but not Weirdly. Good. Not in a good way, no. Um, but but that's it. Wow, good film. Yeah, really good film. I definitely recommend watching it. About an hour in, put a cushion in front of your face because there's some degloving and it's gross. You'll know when. I mean, you're oh, probably not you'll listening know. to this if you haven't seen it. I don't know why you would. If you are, you're, you're silly. Um, so that's it. That is... Gerald's game. Sorry, Gerald. You you lost. Double G's. GG. Um so what what is up next? This is the question. Uh so we do we do Castle Rock Critical now about once a month yeah, or ish. so. Ish. Uh and we've decided that for our next retrospective review, we're gonna make it a listener's choice. Ooh. ooh, ooh. Lucky old you. So hopefully all of you follow us on social media, and if you didn't catch them at the beginning, I'll give them to you again now. Uh so on Twitter we are at fancriticalpod, fan underscore critical fan underscore critical on instagram and just fan critical on facebook or you can email us fancriticalpodcast.com and you have got a choice of three different adaptations that we can cover next in castle rock critical your first option is dolores claiborne which is a castle rock novel tis tis uh your second is, is a classic film but a uh a piece of canon that i've not read the green mile Green Mile, yep. Green Mile. And the third is an adaptation of what I think is a short story, 1408. Yep, I think, isn't that the film with John Cusack or...? It's one of them. 
I can tell you at some point. All right. I mean, we'll um, find out. Listeners, I'm sure you know. We will post this up on social media. We'll give you some, some more information about each of them. Have a think. Let us know what you want us to do. And we will be back with something in uh, late July. Hopefully the weather has improved. Yes. I don't know if you're over here in Britain, but it is bloody awful. It's raining and it's very stereotypical, mm. shall we say, British summer. Such a stereotype. Um, so do let us know on our social media channels what you think we should cover next. Uh, if you've got any other suggestions, please do send them to us. And any opinions on Gerald's game that you've got, we'd love to hear them. Or anything that I've missed. Sorry if I have. Uh, but for now, that'll be it from, from Lucy and I. Thanks, guys. And we will see you all in a few weeks. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. 